We appreciate your ministry uh, this morning. Um, one of the great things about the building, the new building, is there's going to be 10 tons of AC that's going to be poured into the sanctuary. <laughs> and then um, another three tons that's going to reserve for the kids, so uh, for the children ministry in the restroom area. So um, be excited for that. <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord for, for air conditioning. Um, I'm, I'm guessing you guys are tired of all the jokes that we can make, right? It's hotter in hell. You've heard, you've heard that one before. I mean, it's just so many different things that um, that we can say. Um, in Honduras, Mo, um, we had um, we had four mini splits in the size. The building was probably this, a little bit bigger than this. And um, doesn't matter if you're standing right in front. You knew you were in Honduras. You knew it was hot. <laughs> um, and people still serve God. And I appreciate you guys for being faithful through. Through this, you know, one thing we have in common with our mother church right now is in their temporary building, they don't have AC either, um, so they're they're struggling. So um, eventually, my jacket will come off because it's it's kind of hot this morning. <laughs> Let's open our Bibles, Second Peter chapter one, verses five through ten. Second Peter chapter one, verses five through ten is where we're going to be at this morning. Um, in my quest for an illustration. I read an article that was entitled, What Happens When Your Car Runs Out of Gas? <laughs> it's the title of the, um, um, of the article, and I thought to myself, this is going to be a very short article, because <laughs> I have the, the right answer. Has anybody here ever run out of gas? Raise your hand, proudly. <laughs> um, there's different reasons why you run out of gas. One, the gas gauge doesn't work. How I many of you guys had that problem before? Doesn't doesn't move. So you try to kind of gauge, no pun intended, <laughs> at, at, at how much gas you have. Uh, for other people, it's just your procrastination and your laziness. Let's just be honest. Um, you 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 wait you wait till till it, it flips over and it starts all over again. <laughs> no, you just kind of you're there. You know you. You're saying, oh, that's E for híjole, right? It's not empty. <laughs> um, for, other, for other people, it's just you forgot, you know, or maybe it was late at night. I've had times where um, it's midnight, and um, I have to make a decision. Am I going to put some gas right now and this late at a gas pump, or am I going to try to, you know, risk it, regardless of what it is? It's a simple answer. Your engine stops it stops going. And it doesn't matter how much you crank it, doesn't matter how good of a starter you have, your engine will not go if you have no gas. If you were driving or on a descent from a hill, you will continue to move because of the momentum, right? Some of you guys, listen, uh, I've been there. You, you don't have money, so you coast on neutral on those hills. You know, you try, in your mind, you're thinking, that's less gas, you know. So you, you turn the AC off, and you're on neutral when you're going down. <laughs> you can make it as much momentum as you have, but eventually, you need your engine to continue to move you forward. And if you don't have gas, that's not going to happen. Eventually, you will stop and won't be able to start back up. You won't be going anywhere. And if you're unfortunate, if it's unfortunate, it'll happen in traffic at times. Uh, far from a gas pump, sometimes you have to walk, you know, buy a gas canister because you don't have one. And, you, you know, you know, you've been there, right? <laughs> in our Christian walk, faith is our gas. And it operates in a similar manner. It is a depleting substance. 
your faith, you come Sunday, you, you fill up your faith, your gauge meter is on full. And you leave, and the moment you leave and start life outside of the congregation, that meter begins to go down. Faith depletes. It's just the nature of it. And for you to keep going, you're going to need faith. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. It says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted. Say with me, nearsighted. You're so nearsighted that he's blind. Having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled, Never Stumble, Never Fall. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment you've given us. I pray that your Holy Ghost may come and anoint, God, the words that are coming out of my mouth, God. Father, I hide behind your cross, and I pray that you will speak to every single one of us in this place. Would leave God encouraged and full of faith, God. God, to serve you another day, another week, God. I pray that we will make every effort to supplement this depleting commodity in our life, God. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said this morning, amen. I want to start off with my first thought, and that is faith, a precious commodity. What is faith, and why is this so important? Hebrews, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament has the best definition of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. commendation. It's incredible. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. That is your definition. In the world that we live in, faith is something that's hard to find. There is nothing this world offers that can supplement our faith. When faith runs out, everything gets out of whack. There are things, if you continue to run your vehicle on empty and always run out of gas, it'll begin to affect other areas of your vehicle. It'll begin to affect different things. And this might just be a theory. I don't know. I read an article. But what ends up happening is you begin to get your injectors dirty because it begins to scrum up. And I know we have a mechanic here, so you might just look at me and say, hey, that's, that's not right. <laughs> but listen, things begin to be affected. When faith runs out, everything goes out of whack. Even our relationship with God suffers when faith is depleting. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, same chapter, move a few verses down. It says, and without faith, it is impossible. Say with me, impossible. That's an incredible word, impossible. That means you can't do it. It is impossible to please him. For whoever will draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Not only understand that he exists, 
that there is something there that that God is something you can someone you can speak to someone you can you can in a sense um feel beyond that that his involvement is also true and that he rewards those who seek him if you don't have faith it's hard to believe those things in this world in this life we encounter things that will attack our faith It'll weaken our faith. And to speak about some of those things. Number one, watching and hearing ungodly media. The conception of ungodly media does more than just change our vocab. The thought isn't just as a cuss word might slip. That's that's just, I mean, I praise God for people who don't cuss and are pretty self-controlled in that. But listen, I, I was in high school. I didn't cuss in front of my teachers. <laughs> but when I left school, I, I, was, I was a sailor, if you know what I mean. It does more than just change your vocabulary. The conception of ungodly media begins to affect the very essence of your soul. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 and 23, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? It's this overall uh, plaguing, if you will, clouding of the soul more than just, you know what, I think different or I speak different, but it begins to cause the way you react. It begins to change the way you love, the way you you treat other people. It's your eye. We can speak about our ears. And what we listen to begins to affect our body and our spirits. Proverbs 30, 17 teaches us that there's a look in people's eye. You know, you can tell a lot about people by just looking at them. Some people, they can't even look at you. You can see the rejection. You can see the things that they deal with, uh, the struggles and just the look. And you can, you can tell if you, if you're somebody's friend, you can, you can, they just have that look. You're like, you're going through something. I can, I can see it. Proverbs 30, 17 says, the eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. It's that eye. He says that, that father that mocks, he has that eye. You could just, you could just see it in there. You know, they say a pornography addiction begins to change the way you look at things, literally. Right? You've heard people say before, just the, 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 the stare, just the way, the way it just, you can just, my wife, she, 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 she has the gift, man. She, she can just discern. She can tell when people, you know, they, they, they struggle with a spirit of lust or something like that. They just, I'm oblivious. I'm just like, God, I'm believing God for them. <laughs> but they, they, it's just women just have this intuition. How you think is affected by what you allow your eyes to be set on. Another one is unrighteous friendships. There's nothing worse than having a bad friend. Somebody, you're, you're trying to serve God and you're trying to believe, be positive about your life and they just bring you down. You know, we can't, at the end of the day, we cannot divorce ourselves from this world. We can't just separate completely from this world. But we do need to ask ourselves, is the people we're talking to leading us closer to God? 
Father, they're leading us further away. Where you are at today in your relationship with God, in your service to your church, is it better now? Or is it worse? Paul mentions the effect of ungodly relationships. He's speaking to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 33 and 34. He says, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. You have a bad friend. It's going to begin to affect your morality. Verse 34, wake up. Say with me, wake up. Wake up from your drunken stupor as is right and do not go on sinning for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. You have nobody that can help you? You have not one friend that can remind you what time church starts? That can remind you about the faith that you should have in God, that somebody that can encourage you, that can give you a spiritual hug or sometimes a spiritual kick in the butt, amen? That can just say, hey, you know what, man, wake up. Like, dude, serve God, love your wife, you know, you know, continue to come to church, you know, get involved and, you know, stay away from those people. I've said it before, you want to stop smoking weed, you want to stop hanging out with potheads, Amen? I know the Bible doesn't say it that way <laughs> exactly, but that's just that's just common common sense. And I know common sense is also another precious commodity, but let's let's get real this morning. I mean, you want to you're struggling with drugs, well then cut off your drug dealer. Amen. Some of us the problem is not spiritual, the problem is your geography. You know where he lives, you know where the bars are at, you know where things are at. You have to change that. Sometimes it requires changing numbers, completely cutting things off. This doesn't mean just to cut off people who aren't saved. I'm not saying don't talk to sinners. But listen, there's times where even people in church should probably question, hey, listen, I'm here. I'm your brother. I love you. But man, this conversation we're having, I don't, I don't know. We need to ask ourselves about our brothers and sisters. Are they leading me closer to God or further away? Ask yourself what the people you speak to and hang out with, are you now in a better relationship with God? Are you now better with your church? What about headship? What about the fellowship? Our vision, are you now better? See, our text speaks about supplementing our faith. This lets us know that there is a need for replenishing or supplementing this very commodity called faith. Now, number one to my second thought, and that is supplementing your faith. You know, the purpose of a supplement is to help bridge the gap between your usual dietary intake and nutrient needs. Supplements many times is used um, in the conversation of working out and living a healthier lifestyle, losing weight, building some muscle, um, athleticism, sports. Supplements, especially vitamins and minerals, can be useful in situations. Um, for example, when, when a woman is pregnant, there's an increased need for nutrients, vitamins, minerals, and different things to prevent birth defects and all kinds. So what they do is they, they'll, 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 they'll take, what's it called? Come on, moms, prenatal, there you go. <laughs> they'll take a prenatal. Right? And that's a multivitamin in a sense, and it helps them with their hair, their nails, and all that stuff because the baby's taking it. 
So they need to supplement that. In working out, there's people who will take protein shakes. They're trying to add to their protein intake. Some people take omega tree trees. Wow. Threes. <laughs> which is uh which is fish oil. How many of you guys you take fish oil pills? Yeah. And that's it would be a net <laughs> that takes it. We are, listen, we uh, no my, my wife takes it too. <laughs> but it's it's a supplement because most of us don't eat that much fish and we need we need that vitamin. They supplement. They're, 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 that's what supplements do. Peter is saying, this is what you need to do to your faith. You have faith, but you also need to supplement that. He's saying your dietary intake is not enough. Church is not enough. You can't just expect to not run out of gas if all you do for faith is Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, and Sunday nights. You can't expect your tank to be on full if all you do is just the times you come to service or the times that, that you that you gather with the church and then you're you're willing to miss that for other stuff. That's not even a priority. And then you expect to make it all the way. Supplementing our faith is our responsibility. What I mean by that is you can't get on your knees and say, God, supplement my faith. Right, that's, that's, that's not what's going on. God gave us that. He said, he says, supplement your faith. Make every effort. It's the same thought we're renewing your mind. You don't just get on your knees and say, God, renew my mind. No, it says, renew your mind. It says, you renew your mind. You read the Bible. You worship God. You speak the words of God. All the virtues listed in verses 5 through 7 are results of faith. So this, this is why faith is listed first. Timothy seconds this truth in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. It says, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a good, a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. It says love. It's no coincidence that it starts with faith and it ends with love. You can't even love correctly if you don't have faith. You need faith. Our actions are our responsibility. If there is one thing we can control in our life, it's our decisions. For example, the job you have today is because of the decisions you made in the past. The marriage you have today is because of the decisions you made in the past. Amen? The body you have today because of the decisions you made over the years, right? And it goes on and on. It's linked to our decisions. Listen, serving God, following Jesus, it's not only about avoiding things. It's not only what you avoid that makes you a Christian, but also what you do. Yeah. There's a famous quote that says, but, if it, but it's not who you are underneath, it's what you do that defines you. Said Batman. It's a Batman quote. <laughs> But it's not who you are underneath. It's what you do that defines you. You remember the Batman scene. Batman's coming out of the restaurant and she, he's walking out with these two girls and he gets caught by somebody. <laughs> and he's, and he's trying to justify why. So I'm just trying. And then his, and then, and then she, the, the person, I forget, I think it was, it was a she says, um, it's not, it's not what you intend. It's not who you are underneath. He tried to justify. He said, yeah, and I know what you see, but I'm not really a bad person. You ever had somebody tell you that? <laughs> or try to justify somewhere that usually they'll come with like, don't do as I do, but do as I say. It's like, listen, I, I know, I know, I know you see drugs everywhere. 
but I'm not addicted. <laughs> you know, what I, I know you see my marriage falling apart, but we're good. You know, we're, we're good. It's what you do that defines you. We often go through life with the best of intentions. But listen, one day we have to say to ourselves, we have to do what we intend. If we're going to start going to the gym and be, to become a great athlete, then do it. Whatever the case is, we're going to have to execute. Whatever reason, listen, we get distracted by the present and lose our focus for the future. We all have good intentions here. That's the problem at times in church is that I don't think anybody here, you're, you're here and you have bad intentions for yourself or your family or even, or even the church. We all want to be good parents. We all want to be a good friend. We all, we all want to be a good Christian, a good disciple. But in life, what really produces change and success is our actions. It's to execute what we can dream. Right here recently, the buzzword is business. Right? People say, like, I want to start my own business. You can talk all day. You can say, I have a business. You can make business cards. As a matter of fact, you can go pay a few hundred bucks to get an LLC. Get a DBA. Start a name. But at the end of the day, what's going to start the business is you working. You know what I'm talking about this morning? So let's look at this list that Peter left us. Starts off with faith. We define faith already. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance and conviction of what we do not see. Faith marks the beginning of the Christian life. You got, you're saved here today because you have genuine faith. And God granted eternal life to a spiritually dead person. We were dead before we came to Christ. Now we're alive. Faith was the beginning. It's the start. It's that gun you hear in the marathons and the races, bah, and then you take off running. That's faith. The next one is virtue. Virtue is a manifestation of power characterized by excellence. Say with me, excellence. I want excellence to be our new buzzword in the second half of 2023. I want excellence to be in the forefront of our minds that everything we do, everything we are should be excellent. Can I tell you, listen, you don't, you don't have to be rich to be excellent. One of the things in Honduras, my wife and I, that we instilled in the church of San Pedro Sula was, listen, you don't have to be dirty if you're poor. We tell them, look, I, I get it. I understand that you don't, you don't have all the resources, but that doesn't mean you don't take a shower. You can, you can look good. You can be proud of yourself. You can, you can be excellent. You can, you can look a certain type. You can carry yourself different. You don't have to hang your head. We used to, we used to have potlucks, and we asked the lady one time, we said, hey, uh, can, you, can, you, can you bring, um, I, think, I think it was a tomato. Literally, I think it was one tomato. We asked her, can you bring a tomato? And she put her head down, and she's like, Pastor, I'm poor. So you can't be asking me to bring stuff like this. It was like a real, real awkward moment. But over the years, we were able to help her. And she started some of the fellowships and some of the potlucks herself. But in her mind, I, I used to tell her, listen, you, you can... You can be a blessing now. You don't, you don't have to have millions of dollars. You don't have to live in America. You can be virtuous. 
Virtue is the same word used in verse 3 in reference to Christ's character. Listen, we cannot produce virtue ourselves. The way we do it is we obey God's word. We're obedient to God's word and you begin to see a change in your character, a change in your morality. It goes from faith to virtue. It goes to knowledge. Knowledge is practical wisdom. I was speaking to the men about this this morning. I said practical wisdom is a little bit different than just knowing about God, but just being able to have the ability to learn. One of the things I'm trying to instill in men is read books. Is read. Don't, don't, don't just listen. Don't spend all your time on YouTube. Reading does something to you. It expands your mind. It expands your, your vocabulary. It helps you socially when you're, uh, when, when you're speaking to people, different crowds that, that, that you can have something to talk about. And companies that, that I've worked for in the past, when I'll speak to the CEOs and, and the presidents of the company, one of the things I've noticed is they, they are knowledgeable apart from their, their, um, their industry. They can talk about different things. They, they've read these books and they, they can speak politics. They can speak all this stuff because they're knowledgeable. They, they, they give themselves up to learning. Knowledge is obtained by dedicating ourselves to learning, specifically learning God's truth in the scripture and putting that truth into action. Faith, virtue, knowledge, and it says self-control. Self-control is pretty self-explanatory. It's the ability to control oneself, the mastery of oneself. Self-control means this. It means mastering one's emotions rather than being controlled by them. It's being able to tell yourself what to do. Right? I've said it before. You're not a victim of your mind. You can work on your mind. Is it going to take work? Absolutely. Some of us, were cynics by nature. And we, we doubt people. We have trust issues. That takes work. That takes a lot of prayer, specific prayer. God, help me to love people. Help me to not be cynical about people. That, you know, help, help change my mind. Self-control means you're able to look at yourself and see the problem and deal with it. Then it goes on to steadfastness, which is just a fancy word for endurance, is the capacity to continue to bear under difficult circumstances. See, a person who exercises self-control will not easily succumb to discouragement or the temptation to quit. Somebody that, is, that has self-control and is steadfast, you don't always hear them complaining about things. You don't always hear them talking about how hard life is. We know life is hard. Somebody that, self, that has things under control and steadfastness speaks faith. As a result, it's all linked. Right, So when they practice that, it's faith. They know, listen, I'm broke, but I'm not going to be broke. God's going to help me. I'm going to have a better job. I'm going to work hard to be promoted. And it's this positive outlook in life. The, the idea that somewhere I can be someone, it starts and it's all rooted back to faith. It goes into godliness. Godliness is devout practice of obligations, literally religion. This is what we will speak about, our service in church, our position in church, the ministry, that somewhere we do all of that knowing that it is all by faith. That I'm not saved by me preaching. You're not saved by serving in the church, but we do it because we love God. 
we have this faith in who God is, Peter uses this word to speak of the need for Christians to be in continual or to be continually aware of God's presence. Can I remind you today, just in case you forgot, God's looking at us. God's watching us. As you leave this place and go on to your private life, God is still watching. That God has this all-seeing vision, this perspective upon us, and that it should be a comforting thing, but at the same time should spark a level of fear and reverence to practice godliness. Then it goes on to brotherly affection. This is where we get the word. The Greek word is Philadelphia. This is where obviously the city of Philadelphia is named, the nickname, the brotherly love city, which doesn't make sense because the Eagles fans are incredibly not brotherly. <laughs> but it's this affection. This is trying to illustrate it, this caring, this, this liking of one another. Love is kind of hard to explain in English. In Spanish, there's a few different words. You have amor and then you have cariño. Right? It's just like this cariño. It's almost like, you know what, I just, I care for you. This liking, this, this, just this brotherly love. This, you know, this, you know, it is you, and you hug and it's like, listen, bro, I got your back. I'm here for you. You know, I was playing basketball many years ago. Um, it was before I left to Galveston and, um, Josue was like this big. <laughs> so he wasn't playing basketball. So we were playing and, um, and, and, and we went to a court. And we were playing against probably five guys. If I remember right, it was a full-court game. There was five guys there already. And we're playing, and we're whooping their butt. I mean, we're, we're, we're getting it. We're, we're playing well. You know, I was 18 years old. I was 140 pounds. I can run the court 20 times. <laughs> I mean, I was, we're, 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 we're at, at athletic at that point. Okay, all right. So we're, we're playing. And then there was, we, we had a moment where it was a little bit um, an, an embarrassing moment. And what we call in slang is we, we call, we broke their ankles. You ever heard of that before? Yeah, it's when you go this way and the other guy goes the other way. <laughs> you know, we had a moment like that. And then somebody came behind me and just pushed me. And, and I just, I got blindsided. So when you get pushed from the back, blindsided, you, <laughs> and you fall. And then I remember looking up. And um, it was it was Pastor Carrillo. It was some some other, some other guys. I forget the other guys, but I remember Pastor Carrillo Carrillo been there. And they they all just stood up, and it was almost like a moment of puffing up your chest. And you're and they came up, and they they all encountered. They all came to my help. They all protected me in a sense. That's brotherly love. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's that moment where you know, like if I fall, somebody's gonna be there to help me. And I can go on. You know, there's different stories. I was mountain biking one time and I almost died. I fell off and, and I was, and, and, and my bike was going down a hill. It, not just a hill, it was actually going off into a bayou. And, 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 and I was grabbing my bike because I didn't want my bike to go. And I started sliding. And then Pastor Cabrillo grabbed my foot. And it, <laughs> so we're just looking at each other like, you know, it's like, just so many times. Faith, virtue. Knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection. Then it finishes off with love. The Greek word for love is agape. Agape means the goodwill, the benevolence, and willful delight in the object of love. Agape is almost always used to describe the love that is from God, whose very nature 
is love itself. We know from John, it says God is love. No doubt is at the bottom of the list because we can't agape somebody without faith. I know you love your children a lot and you love your family a lot, but listen, agape love is not something we can attain without having faith in God. Peter says we must make every effort to make sure that our life reflects a fight to upkeep these qualities. He says, do what we have to do to make sure that we are practicing. Say with me, practice. Practicing. Practicing is, 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 is a big thing. You've heard, this, you've heard the thing. Practice makes perfect, right? Practicing. He says, you do this. The pattern Peter leaves us is that of practicing so that we won't run out of faith. How do you keep your faith on full? You practice these qualities. You practice them. This means find somebody and practice it. Practice brotherly affection. Practice agape love. Practice godliness, steadfastness, self-control, knowledge, virtue. Practice all these. And not just practice, but make every effort. I want to close my third point. And that is if faith, if faith is our gas, then grace is an additive. Part of serving God, I want you to hear me out this morning. Part of serving God is learning to do the same thing for a very long time. I mean, let's be honest. If, you, if, you, if you're going to be saved for all your life, you're going to be doing a lot of church. You're going, to do, you're going to be doing a lot of brotherly affection, a lot of fellowships. That's why you got to be careful, right? You got to be careful what you eat because it's not, it's, I mean, if, it, if we only fellowship once, bring the feast, you know, but we do a lot of fellowshipping. If you do this right, you'll be doing a lot of the same thing for the rest of your life. And then in eternity, you're going to worship God for the rest of your life. A lot of Christianity is doing the same thing for a very long time. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 14, but as but as for you, say with me, you. Okay, now look to your neighbor and say you. That didn't make sense. <laughs> for you, to, you guys to look at me and say you. That didn't make sense. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from who you learned it. There's another text in our Bible that says, don't get weary of doing good. It says, just do it. And don't get tired of it. Do it and don't get tired of it. It's easier said than done, right? The thought in our text is this. If we continue to practice these qualities, we will never fall. I thought that was an incredible statement. Because I'm the type of guy that never says never. I know I just said it, but <laughs> follow me. Verse 10, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice... This isn't coming from Pastor Renee. It's not coming from the fellowship or the Potter's house. The Bible. For if you practice these qualities, you will never, you will never fall. Some translations, the New King James Version says you will never stumble. Kind of gives us some insight why we do stumble, right? Why we do fall at times. Because we stop practicing these things. We stop being brotherly to one another. 
We stop being, we stop the self-control. We stop the steadfastness. We, we begin to throw morality. It, became, it becomes an option now. And just, we begin to lie in these little things. And we think, because we, we got away with it, it's okay. And we begin to just compromise on everything. And then we expect to just have faith. Faith runs out. And if you stop loving, you stop being steadfast, you stop being godly, and then your tank is empty on faith, well, you're going to fall. Personal discipline creates a protection. To be, to diligently practice, is what our text speaks about. It means to be disciplined in our life. There's a part of Christianity that is like somebody that's trying to become a bodybuilder. And maybe he's looking at himself and he sees, you know what, my right bicep doesn't look as big as my left one. So I'm going to grab a dumbbell and just do this and this and this and this every single day. I'm going to keep going, drink some protein shakes. And then this one's a little too big, so he goes on to this one. Right, But it's just part of Christianity is just, I'm going to grab myself. And you heard me say this before, by my neck. <laughs> I'm going to, like a puppy. You ever seen, you ever, you ever grab the puppy that way? I'm just going to grab myself and I'm going to spiritually put myself in church. And I said, you're going to serve God. I'm going to put my flesh in submission. That's what Paul says. Some of us, you know what the problem is? We can't tell ourselves no. We can tell other people no. But we can't tell ourselves no. When we feel like somewhere, I just don't want to be brotherly today. I just, I don't want to deal with people. Or I just, you know what, I just, I just, I don't want to tithe. I don't want to do this. It's just you can't tell yourself no. So you give yourself up to your flesh because you have no self-control. It's not habitual for you anymore. It's a compromise. You're willing to compromise. Maybe I won't come this Sunday morning because I'm going to be there Sunday night anyway. You know, and everything becomes just a comfortable thing. Just real lax. And then your Christianity just becomes an option. Today, I feel like serving God. problem is that the more you compromise on your convictions, the further away and easier it gets for you to completely backslide. The fight many Christians lose is the fight of self-discipline. When's the last time you read your Bible? When's the last time you sat down, dedicated 30 minutes to dissect, to read your text? When's the last time you sat down and prayed? Talk to God. It's easy to talk about what others should be doing, but what about us? You know, people who've served God their whole life or for a very long time understand one thing. That is grace. Say with me, grace. Grace is the only thing that's going to help us. Because can we be honest this morning? Can we um, remove the halos that we have floating on top? Let's take them off for a moment. We need help. And as much as you're going to get hyped up today for service, you know, we're going to have this altar call and you're going to be on your toes. <laughs> Maybe. 
<laughs> but you're going to be, you want to serve God. You're going to leave your, it's, you're going to feel encouraged somewhere, somehow you're going to make a mistake. What's going to happen is you're going to leave this place. You're going to get in your car and somebody's going to cut you off. And your reaction is probably not going to be a rombo shambo <laughs> speaking in tongues thing. It might include your hands. <laughs> or maybe, just maybe, maybe it has nothing to do with traffic. Maybe you can make it home very safely and somewhere you had a good time, had a good conversation with your wife and you forgot to put the toilet seat down. Or you didn't take out the trash or you didn't do the dishes. So somewhere this person reacted like this. So now your pride rose up and you reacted a certain type of way in there and that faith is depleting very quickly at that point. Grace is that revelation that God knows who I am and he still loves me. That I'm going to leave this place and he knows I'm a scum. He knows I'm a screw up. But I can always come back to him. The revelation in our text is you have this outline that you practice. I know you watch the games, you watch the football games, and you see these quarterbacks, incredible passes and these catches. Can I tell you, in practice, it doesn't happen. They'll throw it and they'll try to catch it, and they, <laughs> but they do it over and over and over again so that when game time comes, they're able to accomplish it. Going to practice gives you some insight. These people are human. It's not, it's not, it's not all highlights. Listen, grace is what's going to keep us going. I'm, I know I'm preaching a little long this morning. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us, an incredible word, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. It's grace that brings you closer to God, knowing that I tried to control myself, but I couldn't. So I'm not just going to blow my whole life up because I couldn't that time. I'm going to try again and again and again. And eventually I'm going to look at myself and I'm going to be a disciplined man, a disciplined woman of God, a disciplined father. I'm going to be loving. I'm going to be affectionate. I'm going to have self-control. I'm going to be knowledgeable because I didn't just quit. I practiced. And I practice. Verse 10 again. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. If you didn't hear anything today, listen to me now. If you're going to reach and fulfill your calling in God, you are going to need grace. Because grace is what's going to get you back up to say, I need to go fill my faith, my faith tank once again. Well, you have voices in your head and you have voices in this world telling you you don't, you don't matter and you, you don't care anymore and there, there's no place for you anymore in this church, in this ministry or somewhere, you know, as they push you away and somewhere these mind, these, these mind battles, it's past your time. You don't, you're not going to get used anymore. You've messed up so many times. There's also another voice called faith and grace that remind you that God loves you so much. But it doesn't matter. The Bible says a righteous man stumbles and always gets up. It's a grace. Because you know who your father is. Because you know your father is always going to love you. William Barclay says this as I close. If we refuse to make every effort for the upward climb, certain things happen. Number one, we grow blind. 
we're left without the guiding light that the knowledge of Jesus Christ brings. As Peter sees it, to walk without Christ is to walk in darkness. And we see it, he says, you're so nearsighted, you're blind. You don't even see God anymore. Number two, we become what Peter calls mothpason, which is a Greek word, which this word can either have two meanings. It means short-sighted. It is too easy to become short-sighted in life, to see things only as they appear at the moment and unable to look at things in the long term because faith requires you to look in the long term, not right now. Faith requires you to look beyond your bank account right now, beyond your relationship with God right now, beyond your friendships right now, beyond those struggles, beyond faith requires you or allows you to see, you know what, I am going to be a man of God. I am going to be a woman of God. That's the essence of Christianity, not who you are today, but who you can become tomorrow. And maybe you feel like you're coasting. Like a car that ran out of gas and, and you have this momentum because somewhere you did have an experience with God, but you're, listen, you're, you're, you press on the gas pedal, ain't nothing happening. Or maybe you're just not moving anymore. Maybe momentum is done. You ran out of gas. I want to tell you, grace will bring you to a place where you can fill your tank up once again. It is the presence of God, in the presence of God, by the hearing of the word of God, that faith is produced. So let's seek faith in God by seeking his presence. Today we're going to have an altar call. And there's people here, I don't doubt it. Listen, your, your, your tank is empty. You might look like you got some gas. Because there's people on the outside that you ran out of gas, but your car's moving. <laughs> you ever seen that? There's a car next to you and like it's moving with you, but then it just kind of starts like the brake lights aren't on anymore. <laughs> it just kind of starts dying off. Oh, he ran out of gas. Eventually, we'll be able to tell you ran out of gas. Come to the altar and say, God, I, I need some faith. I need grace. Help me to get back up and run once again. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? Incredible. Peter says, never fall. He says, if you do this right, you will never fall. If you put it in your mind, I'm going to practice these very things. There's people here today. Listen, it is as clear as you having to write down this list that Peter speaks about from faith to virtue, from virtue to knowledge. From knowledge to self-control, from steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. Look at that. Engage at yourself and say, I need to work on these areas more. See, practicing isn't just doing the, what you're best at. Practicing is looking at your weaknesses and making those your strength. My pastor here recently told me, listen, you're going to have to look at your weakness and make it your strength. Not only look at it and acknowledge it and, and work on it some so they can be to par, but make it your strength. There's people here, listen, you got trust issues, but when God helps you, you're going to love people so much, so much that they're going to be able to trust you. God can flip it over. Quickly, you're here. You're not saved. You're not right with God. If you're to die at this moment, heaven will not be your home. But you want to change that? Raise your hand. I want to pray for you. 
Maybe you're backslidden. A person who used to be right with God, but you're far from him now. I'm not asking if you ever had an experience with God or what you know about God, but today your heart is far from him. Maybe you've lost faith. And somewhere today you feel like you're far from God and you just, you want to reconcile, you want to come back. That's you. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Amen. Very well. I want to change the order of the service. Let's remain with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And I want to speak to the church. I want to speak to Christians this morning. Listen, this is an incredible thought. I believe it can spark something in us that we can supplement our faith, but it requires discipline. It requires us to look at ourselves and say, I'm going to practice. Use this as a list to gauge at yourself and begin to practice what you think you're weak at. Jesus speaks about our enemies. He says, love, bless your enemies. What an incredible thought. That instead of opposing or separating, that somewhere you will love them and you will bless them. That's the God that we serve. Maybe it is faith. Maybe it's just you're a total mess spiritually and even physically at times because you lack faith. Everything is nonchalant for you. Everything is just relaxed. Everything is it's just an option for you. You're never committed. You're never really truly involved in the things of God because you just don't have faith. It's easy. Listen, you can become so cynical at times. In your mind, it's all Murphy's Law. If it's going to go bad, it's, it's, if it's bad, if it's an option for bad, it's going to go bad. Let's not think like that anymore. Let's raise our heads and look, at, and look towards the Father. Let's all stand up to our feet. Every single one of us in this place, let's stand up to our feet. These altars are open. I want to encourage you to come forward and talk to Jesus Christ. Come and speak to him. Maybe, just maybe your faith tank is on empty. You're running out. And right now you're saying, God, I need, I, I need faith. I need faith. Supplement it. Do what you need to do for it. Have some self-control. Be at church. Love people. Even when it doesn't make sense, love them. Go to them. Be, do whatever you need to do. Like in the Sunday school, acts of love, deeds of love. Go and say, I want to be a brother to you. I want to be a sister to you. Practice these things and you'll see that in your steps of obedience, things begin to change. We get it backwards at times. We want God, God change me so that I can obey. Obey and watch the power of God change you. We're going to sing out this song.